grateful for the chance we have to be the church. What we're doing right now, this, this gathering in itself isn't, isn't church just in itself. Uh, you are. You know, and that chance we have to connect with him, whether you're doing that online at a house party or maybe you're just even by yourself watching this morning. The, Jesus called people to be his, uh, his gathering and grateful for that this morning. Uh, I wanted to, talk about, uh, wanted to talk about this topic of trust this morning. I was thinking about, you know, the Hall of Fame. Uh, this, this week, um, a guy by the name of Howie Meeker passed away. Anybody know who Howie Meeker was? Show of hands. Some of you remember Howie Meeker. Um, if, you're, if you're my age, you know, I, I don't remember Howie Meeker too well. But as I read, as I read um, uh, his, there was a bit of his story, you know, he's part of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He was also a broadcaster made into the Hockey Hall of Fame, uh, I think, because of uh, his, his prowess as a broadcaster. I always wondered if my dad was named after him. I remember, you know, people calling my dad, you know, affectionately Howie Meeker. And I was like, oh, okay, that might be a nickname. But then there really was a real Howie Meeker. And uh, so, um, but this guy made into the Hall of Fame for his, you know, just his, his uh, uh, abilities in, in different things. And I thought, you know, it just got me thinking about the Hall of Fame and, and how many different ones there are. There's the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto. Uh, anybody been to see the Hockey Hall of Fame? As you go through, you see people from like, like years and years and years ago whose names are remembered long after they are gone simply because of their accomplishments in this sport. And I began to look up, and there's all kinds of Halls of Fame. There's like the Cowboy, there's like the, the Cowboys, you know. Uh, there's the Rodeo Hall of Fame from Texas, and then there's the one from Idaho who don't get along with the ones from Texas, so they made their own Hall of Fame. I don't know why, but they made just there's all these Halls of Fame for almost every sport. And then there's other Hall of Fames that, you know, are not as... Um, not maybe as well known, but they're halls of fame that you could get into. Uh, for those of you who have heard of, anybody heard of Empty Bellies? Empty Bellies is a restaurant. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, near Welland area. Empty Bellies actually has this wall of fame that if you can eat that in one hour, you need a doctor and you deserve to be up on the wall of fame. It's three and a half pounds of food. But, uh, you know, there's people whose pictures are up there. They, they've tried it. They've accomplished it. They will forever be remembered for that accomplishment. But, I, you know, I was thinking, which Hall of Fame would I want to be in? You know, if, which Hall of Fame would you want to be in? Maybe you're like, you know what? There is no Hall of Fame. Like, I'd want to be in, like, the Business Hall of Fame, or I want to be in the Farmer Hall of Fame. That's my, that's my goal. Dennis, we know. Uh, you know, and maybe you're like the, the Marriage Hall of Fame. You know, maybe, well, Beth and I will be in there somewhere, but you guys can join us. He's just like, that's what I want to be. Like, I, when it comes down to being remembered for something, I want to be remembered for that, or the Parenting Hall of Fame. Today, I just want to look at the Trust Hall of Fame. Like maybe for you this morning, you're like, well, what's the Trust Hall of Fame? I sort of made up the title, but it actually, there's this, there's this um, part in, he, in, the, in the book of Hebrews where they talk about these people whose names we remember simply for how they trusted. Hebrews 11.1, 1, if you have your Bible, grab it. If it's on your phone, scroll there. Uh, you can read along on the screen, but I encourage you to have it yourself in case, you know, there's something that jumps out. You can be like, I'm to highlight that and take a look at it later. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, faith shows us the reality of what we hope for. Let me read it from here. Faith is the confidence uh, that what we hope for will actually happen, and it gives us assurance about things we cannot see. And when you think about the word faith, some of you, maybe you know somebody named Faith, or, you know, like people ask, do you have a faith? You know, like, yeah, I think I have a faith. And that, that topic, that, that, that word sometimes has definitions we don't really understand. And so, you know, Hebrews, this, this writer to these Jewish people says, let me just, let me just explain what faith really is, what, what that word means. He says, it's, it's the reality of the things that we hope for. In the Amplified, it just simply says this, it's the title deed of things divinely guaranteed. It's like what we hope for, we know is going to come true. 
But I know that in my life, there's been lots of things that I hoped for that didn't come true. I hoped COVID would be over by now. Amen to that, eh? Some of you share my hopes. You know, but those hopes haven't come true yet. You know, I'm hoping that someday we can just be in this building without masks and just be able to, to worship together as one big happy family. I just want to shake hands, but that's my, I hope that I could do that by now. You know, those kind of things that we have hopes. Maybe you've had other hopes. Maybe you had hopes like, you know, this is what I hope that I'm going to get for my birthday or whatever. But have you ever had a hope and it just, you know, or somebody even maybe promised you something and then let you down? I'm the only one, eh? I know, maybe, you know, maybe it was your parents. I had a whole bunch of P words, parents that have made promises and let you down. Politicians that made promises, let you down. You know, preachers that made promises and let you down. And basically, in case anything's been missed in there, people, you know, people that have made promises and let you down. We've, we've all kind of been in, in, a, in one of those places. Maybe it was a spouse that made a promise and they, and they let you down. You know, the, this is where the author of Hebrews is saying, listen, these kind of promises that we're talking about, they're made by someone who doesn't let you down. He, 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 doesn't, um, he doesn't go back on promises he made. It's like the promises of God. And we talked about God the last number of weeks, the God of the universe, the God who holds the golf ball planet. You know, just that, that somewhere on that planet, we find ourselves, but he's massive. He knows all the stars. He holds them in his hand. He knows them by name. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And yet, not that he's so massive and far away, but that he came near to us. It's like, that's the God who, whose promises are kept. You know, I think about, the, uh, about God, the creator of all creation, the designer of everything that's, you know, of all order and design in our universe. He's the breath of life that gives us life itself. And he's the unfathomable lover of his creation. I'm like, that's the God who this author is saying, this is what faith is. This is trust in, not in just his promises, but in the God of those promises. And he says this, faith, the confidence that what we hope for is actually going to happen. That what God promises us, man, we know that's going to happen. Do we have that kind of faith? Or is our faith like, ah, you know, I, I got a church. I'm a, I'm, I'm a Christian faith. Or, you know, I, he's like, no, I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. Faith, what I'm talking about is this, like, man, this is this confident trust that God is who he says he is. And he can do what he says he can do. And it's like, it says this, that faith is, it gives us assurance, you know, about the things we can't see. It's kind of that, that things like the evidence of the things we don't see. And I, I love to add a word to that, not to add to scripture, but to, to simply add to the, the thought of it is that it's the, it's the assurance about things that we, we don't see yet, that we don't see yet, but we know it's happening. We know it's coming. It's like when you buy a house. When you buy a house, you go there and you sign all the paperwork at the bank and you get one of these mortgage deeds. And uh, you know, when you, when you, when you purchase a house, it's, you get you get all the paperwork signed and, and that house is now yours, but you've got 60 days till closing, right? You don't get to move in the next day, but you start planning because you know that you're going to move in. You start packing all your stuff because like, man, it's 60 days and tomorrow it's 59 days. I'm not in there yet, but I know that I know that I know that I'm moving in there. That's that kind of confidence. It's like there was a kid that remember in our youth group, he uh, had been in an accident when he was younger and he was getting an, uh, uh, um, a settlement payment for thousands, like tens of thousands of dollars. I think it was like 80,000 bucks. And they're like, the, part of the clause in this settlement was we're not going to give it to him while he's a teenager because he'll just blow it like every teenager would. They said, we'll give it to him when he's 21 and then we'll give the rest of it, half of it at 21 and half of it at 25. So all this kid had to do was make it to 21, right? Like that's like his goal in life, just live till I'm 21. Because he would tell us, this is what I'm gonna buy, man. This, you see that car? Man, my car is gonna be so much better than your car. And we're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. He's like, no, no, seriously, uh, that, there's an inheritance coming. 
I know that I know that I'm going to get that. And sure enough, he bought a much nicer car than mine. And, uh, but it's that thing of just that knowledge. It's not like, oh, I hope someday. It's like, no, I know because I know that I know I have that confidence. It's like you getting a raise at work. You know, it's, uh, you know, uh, at your job, the boss tells you, hey, listen, uh, you know, you're getting a raise. And you're like, well, <laughs> I haven't seen nothing. But you know that next payday, that's where you'll see the, the promise of that raise fulfilled. And that's, a, that's the same thing. It's like, man, we have this confidence. We have this confident trust that God, the God, the God of the universe, he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And, and here's, he says, I want to just show you a list of people who just simply trusted God like that. I'm like, man, that's the kind of Hall of Fame I'd want to be in. He says in Hebrews 11, verse 2, he says, through their faith, that kind of confident trust, that kind of confident trust in the God who keeps his promises. He's like, the people in the days of old, the people way back when, it's how they earned a good reputation. It's how they got a good story. It's how they ended up even being remembered all of these years and thousands of years later. Here's why. He says, it's by this kind of faith that they gained God's approval and, and, and even the stories that men told of them well reported of, made it into the Trust Hall of Fame. And before he goes into a list of all these people, which we'll look at maybe over the next couple of weeks, he starts by saying this, Hebrews eleven three, 3. And, and I could just, you know, part of me just like, oh, I'll just skip over that. Let's just get to the good stories. But I think the author writes that because he says, you know, he stops, and he says to the reader, to you this morning, to whoever might be reading this, l- let me just tell you something about this trust. He's like, it's by this confident trust in the God of creation, the God who keeps his promises that we it's how we understand. It's how we know that the entire universe, all the stuff we've been talking about, that entire universe was formed at God's command. It was just by his spoken word that all, we understand that by trusting in, in him. He says that what we um, now see did not come from anything that can be seen. He's saying there's this confidence that we can have you know, when the world's like, you know, trying to find, well, there's got to be some explanation for the existence of everything that doesn't require a God, that doesn't require religion. There's got to be a way. And he just simply says, you know, we can just simply start with the place of saying, you know, what? I, 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 I trust that there is a God out there. Why? Because of the things I see. It's not this blind faith. It's like, yeah, you know, I just have faith because it helps me get through life. It's like, no, you know what? When I really stop and I slow down for a minute, I just think about the world around me. When I think about the universe, when I really think about those things, there's this trust that there's something behind all of that. And I wonder maybe if you would just ask yourself that question because maybe you wrestle with some of that stuff. Like wondering, you know, is there a God? Is there, I don't even know if there is one, that kind of that existence um, issue. You know, everything that we see, we consider to have been created by something. Everything that we see that's created, for instance, a piece of artwork like this, you know, music and poetry and art, we just automatically assume that somebody made that. You know, and whether they painted that or did that on Photoshop, nobody in this room, I, I would suggest nobody in this room would say, oh no, that just sort of, some, that just happened. That just randomly appeared. And we're like, no, like somebody thought that out and created that. You know, we, we think of every piece of artwork, anything we've seen, we, we, we assume that somebody created it, not just that it appeared out of nowhere. We consider everything that's been designed to have a designer. You look at this building, we're like, you know, I can't tell you this morning that, well, maybe I could, that this is actually just a dump site in, uh, in South Korea where they actually just backed up a bunch of trucks. They just dumped a whole bunch of uh, construction materials into a, into a pit, and they came back later, and they found this. We... 
we, we just don't go there, right? Like nobody, you, maybe you haven't been to this place and seen this building, but simply seeing the evidence of it or even seeing the building that we're in, you're just like, no, somebody designed this. Everything that has design, you know, the, the, the chair you're sitting on, you look at it and you think, you know, that somebody designed this to have four legs and not one. You know, we, we don't assume that that just is just random. We, the screen, this microphone, all these things have design. There's purpose behind them. And we consider that someone was behind that design. You know, we also consider everything that's in order was put in order by someone. If you go to my house, you'll see shoes, but it won't look like this. Those shoes are in order. But if this is, you know, if you came here and you looked at that, you wouldn't look at this and go, wow, those shoes, they must have somehow found the one who matched them and decided, I'm going to like bunk with this one. You know, it's just going to happen. We, we don't look at that and go, hmm, a tornado must have gone through and put all that in order. In my house, it's the opposite. A tornado must have come through because like none of my kids left their shoes anywhere. Whose shoes are those? Nobody's. Who, who's in, but no one. It's like, man, everything, all the chaos comes out of that. But when we look at order... We don't say, wow, that's just so random that happened. No, our assumption is that somebody went and put all that stuff in order. And you, so what the writer of Hebrews is saying, yeah, so take, we're taking that thing that we just assume all of those things to be true and saying that that's, uh, we consider that about us as well. Because we, we look at, we look at our, our solar system, and right now it's pretty interesting. Actually, right in the last couple of days, you can actually see all of the planets within a 24-hour period just by looking out at the sky. Right now that there's in, in the morning, two of the planets are, in, uh, are visible and in the evening you can see three others and with a telescope you can see the final two and they're all in the same area. That, that doesn't happen all that often. It happens once about every seven years that you can, or 70 years that you can see them all in, those, in that same time frame. But then as I was reading this more, I was like, you know what? <laughs> what? How, what's the chances that you could see them all at the same time? And I was like, is that possible? And here's what I found from the BBC Science Magazine. Here's what they said, because of the orientation and tilt of their orbits, the eight major planets of our solar system can never come into perfect alignment. But the last time that they actually all appeared in the same part of the sky, where you could look into the, into the sky and see all of them at the same time, that was over a thousand years ago in AD 949. He says, you know what? They won't manage that again until May 6, 2492. I looked at that. I'm like, how do they know that? How, it's not like they're like, you know, this happened a thousand years ago, but it's not going to happen again for like another squillion years. Then, then we'll see it again. Or like random guests. They're like, it's going to happen again on May the 6th of 2,492. If you live that long, you'll get to see it. How do they know that? Why? Because they know that this whole thing follows an order that they can count on. That is so orderly in the way it works. It's not like this planet right here decides you know what? I'm just going to stop right there. I'm just going to go the other way for a while. Or like, you know, I don't like this sun anymore. I'm just going to go find another one. It, it just doesn't happen. Like all of our scientific studies are based on the fact that there's order that they can count on. That order comes from somewhere. We'll just put that, let's get rid of that because putting people to sleep. They're like, Ugh. Where did, that, where did that order come from? Where did that order come from? And if you wrestle with like, well, religion's done all of this, and you know, God's been, you know, like people have done this in the name of God and all. Yeah, just, can we just go back beyond that a little bit and just ask that question? If we see design and if we see order, if we believe that everything we see that's created was created by someone, how far-fetched is it to believe 
that there's some being behind all of that order, behind all of that creation. Whoever you want to believe that to be, that there is something behind all of that. That's just not like explosions happen and all of a sudden there's this impeccable order. And so the author of Hebrews is saying, hey, you know what? It's by trust in that God, that being, that creator, that designer, that person of order. It's him that we are putting our confidence in because he's bigger than us. And then he begins to write. He begins to write the list of the heroes. And because he's writing to Jewish people, they know they're heroes. It'd be like, you know, writing about to the English people about Rooney, you know, because they know who Rooney is. Most of, anyone know who Rooney is? The Dutch people? How come you don't know who Rooney is? That is like the, um, who would we say? You know, the Aryan Robin of the British world. The great soccer heroes. No, still don't. Terrible. It's the people that they know, they knew, so there wasn't a lot of details given because they knew, but here's what he says in Hebrews 11 for him. He or she, we actually don't know who the uh, exact author of Hebrews is. We just know they're very, very well. They know their culture well, and they know Jesus well. And he says this in Hebrews 11:4. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, meaning he was right with God. And God showed his approval of the, his gifts, though Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us. Why? How? By his example of faith. This guy has been dead for 4,000, 6,000 years. This guy has still speaks to people like you and me today. Why? Because of one thing, his trust. If you go back to Genesis and you look at the story of Abel, there's only a few verses about his life. They basically say, this is, this is you know, Abel was born. Abel's job was a shepherd. Abel died. And then there's one event one event in Abel's life, that is, that they, they draw everything to. And it was this, in Genesis 4, verse 3, you can see it. Um, it's, it's in the book of beginnings. He says this, when it was time for harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, but here's his gift. He's like, he brings the best portion. He brings the firstborn lambs from his flocks as he's a shepherd. And it says the Lord accepts Abel and his gift, but he doesn't accept Cain and his gift. And it makes Cain very angry, and he looked dejected and this is like the, the oldest one in the book, uh, the oldest story in the book. Most people, you know, know this. It's like the first account of the sibling rivalry where, you know, it's like, you know, why can't you be more like your younger brother? Anybody ever hear that? No, it's always, why can't you be more like your older brother, right? That's, that's how it goes. Sorry, Chad. You know, it's, um, why can't you be more? <laughs> Imagine God saying that to you. <laughs> hey, why can't you be more like your sister? You know, why couldn't you be more like your brother? Or why couldn't you be more like one of my favorite kids? I mean, here's Kay, and he's like, he gets angry, and they start fighting. They start fighting. My kids fight sometimes. These guys, they fight with rocks, and sure enough, Kay and kills Abel. But you know, Abel still speaks to us in the sense that he says, you know what? By faith, by trusting, by confident trust in the God who keeps promises in the God of the universe, by confident trust in him, he simply says, you know, he deserves the best. That, that's how my life is lived, that, that he deserves the best. And I wonder sometimes this morning, do we think that way? That the God of all creation, that when we live by confidence, he deserves our best. You know, Hebrews goes on to talk about a guy named Enoch. In Enoch, there's not much about him either, probably less about him. And yet Hebrews 11 verse 5, it says this, it was by faith, it was by like this confident trust in the God who keeps promises that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. It's like he disappeared because God took him. And this was the, the legend around this, this man named Enoch. It says, before he was taken up, though, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it's impossible to please God without 
faith. Without this confident trust, he says, a life of pleasing God. When I mean, you look back in Genesis and you read about Enoch, it just simply says this. Verse, Genesis 5 says in verse 23, says, Enoch lived 365 years. That's a pretty long time. It was actually a short time for them back then. Verse 24, it says, but he was walking in close fellowship with God. You know, they talk about that word walking. It wasn't like, you know, okay, I'll go out for a walk. It's like I, he, he centered his life around this God of the universe. He's like, man, when I look at the stars, God, I, I know that you're there and I, my trust is in you. And God, I, I want to live my life centered around you. And he says, you know, that idea of walking with God, it says he was spared death. I think about that and I wonder, you know, this, how much more true is that for us? Not that we're spared physical death, but we're spared a death much more, much more dangerous simply by this idea that we can walk with God. The writer of Hebrews talks to the reader. He stops after he talks about Enoch. He just says this to them. He's like, anyone, because anyone is anyone reading then, anyone reading now, anyone who wants to come to God must what? Believe, must trust that he actually exists. That we get our minds in that spot of like, I'm not trying to figure out religion. I'm not trying to, God, I just, I, I trust that you exist. When I look around at everything, you, you've got to be there. You've got to be there. He says, anyone who wants to come to him must trust that he exists and that he'll reward those who sincerely seek him. And you see that in the life of Enoch. And he says, you know what? I think I love that song, man. Uh, Scott, I don't know where you just deciding that song this morning, but you know, I look back, you've been faithful. I look ahead, I know you're going to be faithful. It's, it's this thought about reading the stories of those who've gone before. Paul would write to the Galatian Jesus followers later and said, you know what? I'm encouraging you to walk in a way that you'd walk in the spirit that you would center your life around his spirit in you, that you would, as Jesus followers, it says you'd be led by his spirit. I'm like, man, that's a, that's a daily thing that, you know, even for myself is one of those things. I don't wake up every morning and go, woohoo, I'm just glad to be saved this morning. I can't wait to just do my whole life with God. I wake up this morning, it just depends on, you know, how much sleep I got last night, how I wake up. But then it's this thing, this drawing from him saying, you know what, Mark, today you got options. You can live life that's all around you or you can live life that's all around me. I'm like, okay, God, I know that on my own strength, I'm just going to live life all about me. But God, would you lead me today? Would you direct me today? God, would you, would you help me to have my life centered around you? And Enoch would say, man, you can walk with him. You can walk with him. You can know him. And the way you do it is just simply by trusting him. And then finally, our final hero of the day, the one, uh, you know, some, some even have trouble thinking this dude existed. His name's Noah. You know, Noah is famous for what? The ark, Noah and the ark. Yeah, you guys went to kids' church. You know, for some, they're like, yeah, I don't know if I believe all those stuff in like the first 11 chapters. I don't know if that was like analogies or, you know, I don't know if science lines up with all that stuff. You know, this morning as I, you know, thinking about this, this man, Noah, I think about how the others who talked about him, that, you know, we may not have all of that stuff figured out, but when I think about Jesus, when I think about what Jesus did for me and the, and, and the truth of who Jesus is, I, I read about how Jesus, a man who died and literally rose from the dead, how he talked about a guy named Noah. You know, it helps me to trust that this Noah, that, this, that he actually existed simply knowing this truth that Jesus shares. But I, I think about Noah and I think about just the, the thought of that story, Hebrews 11, verse 7, it says this, it was by faith, it was by confident trust that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God. God told him, build this boat. And he's like, there's no water anywhere around here. 
He's like, I, I know, but I want to build this boat and build it in this field, build it this size. It's massive. All of his neighbors are going to, it's not like he can just build a little rowboat like, so that nobody around him notices. He's like, God calls Noah and says, Noah, I want you to do something that's opposed to everything else going on in this world. And I believe that even in this day and age, there's people that are being called to stand against everything else that's going on in this world. That when they all say this, that there's people who are saying, you know what, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand here. I'm going to stand in a confident trust in God. I, I, it doesn't matter what everyone else thinks. It doesn't matter what everyone else says. I trust him. I trust him. I trust him. I trust him. Can you picture what it would have been like, though? You know, Peter would later say that, that Noah was the one who was speaking to everybody, warning them, hey, listen, there's judgment coming. There's a flood coming. They just laughed at him. Yeah, whatever, Noah, whatever. Sure, sure. That's never going to happen. It wasn't the most positive message for somebody to be sharing. And yet, and yet, how many of them would have been like knocking on the door? Hey, hey Noah, <laughs> you know, you were right. It's raining and the water's getting higher. And in those moments when it was too late, you know, Paul would tell the Romans that, this same idea of Noah, that Noah, as he trusted God, it was literally his salvation. That simple, God, I trust you, that is what saved Noah. And Paul says, it's the same for us. He's not telling you, hey, it's raining today, go build a boat. He's like, man, I want you to trust. I want you to just like wholeheartedly put your confident trust in me. You can. He says this, Paul said to the Romans, Romans 10, he says, if you, being the reader, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, you know, it's like you said earlier, you can't do that unless you believe that he exists. But he says, not just that he exists, but that he's Lord. And believe and trust in your heart that God raised him from the dead. He says, you'll be saved. For it's by believing, by trusting in your heart that you're made what? Right with God. Right with that God of the universe. He says, it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And we read that word sometimes like saved. Saved from what? You know, the truth is that there's still a judgment coming. And I know in our world, in our culture, we're like, everybody just do whatever's right in your own eyes. And we kind of, we talk about people making mistakes and whatever else. And we, we don't like to use this word called sin. But if we look at other people's lives, just think of the worst person you know. I, I know, we, we're not going to judge them right now. It's not our job. But just, just think about, maybe it's, maybe it's you. You know, if you think about the worst person you know, you're like, oh, man, <laughs> they should have consequences for their actions. Then if we take a look at my, our own lives, I look back at my life, I'm like, yeah, there's stuff in my life that, you know, I really don't want all of you in this room to know. I don't really want my past projected on that screen. I don't want all my thoughts just posted up there so you guys can know what I've thought in my life, what I've thought about some of you maybe even. You know, I don't, we, 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 don't, we don't want that, right? Anybody want to volunteer? No, no, none of us do. You know, if I, if I look back at my life, I'm like, man, if I don't want you guys, how much more do I not want that God to know that stuff? And yet he does. And yet he simply says that, you know what, that, that stuff, that condition of being broken, being separated from, from me, that, that, that's genuine. There's going to be a judgment someday for every single person. It comes after the day we leave this earth. We take our last breath. It says there's a judgment for the way we lived our lives. The God who knows everything, knows those thoughts. I mean, that's a sobering thought. That's what Noah was saying. And there's a judgment coming. Don't, don't just think that that doesn't exist. And I know we don't like to think about that, but it's true. He says that, that judgment's coming, but he says that's pretty bad news if we all look back and go, darn it. I can't go back there and like unthink that. I can't go back there and undo that. Wait, I just walked off the screen. I can't go back there and unclean up all of that. I, I, can't, I can't undo all of that. But there's good news, and I, I hate that this wall's in the way of our, of our cross. 
because the good news looks like something terrible. Where Jesus himself said, man, I'm going to come and I'm going to give my life. Where the God of the universe is like, man, I love those people so much. I'm going to come and give my life for them. I will take their punishment for them. He said, Paul says, listen, if you'll trust that, if you will put your trust in that, 100% trust in that, he says, you'll be saved. You will escape the judgment just like Noah did. He's like, man, we're not, we're not just, the author of Hebrews, not some, I just want to tell you a bunch of stories, you know, so we have something for kids' church. We can make coloring pages with little boats and animals and stuff. You know, let's, let's just tell stories. Let's tell fables. Let's have something so we can start a religion. He, he, he's writing this saying, listen, these people, man, they're hall of fame for the way they trusted God. Yeah, yeah, wait a second, but Abel died. Yeah, I know, but he's known for being the one who trusted God. Noah, he's the one who trusted God. Did he have his life perfect? No, go read his story. The guy does, does some crazy stuff. But he's known because he trusted God. And he was saved because he did. And, and here's why it's written. As we finish up this morning, Hebrews 12, at the end of the list, and we'll look at some of these others in the next couple of weeks, but Hebrews 12 just says this. It just starts with this word, therefore. It's bolded because I made it bold, not because it's bold. But I just don't want you to miss that. You know what therefore means? Therefore is saying, hey, the list I just wrote of all those people, this is what it's there for. It's there for since we, and when it says we, it's talking about us, the reader, since we are, are uh, surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses. And we're going to look at this huge crowd. We saw three today, but there's way more. He says, we're, we're uh, this, this crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, this life of trusting God. Not these just momentary things, but this life of trusting him. He says, let's strip off the weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race. That, and it's that race of faith. Same as he says, this walking it out of faith. He's like, let, let man, Scott, why don't you run that race, your race of faith? You know, Gord, that you would run your race of trusting God. That, you know, Peyton, even at your age, you would walk through life saying, I'm going to trust in God. That Henry, you would walk the, the, the thing of, of trusting God. That's what he's saying. That, 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 that's why we've got these stories is that we'd be inspired and encouraged to run our race. And he says, you know how we do it? We do it in one way, by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Why? Because it's all about him. It really is all about him. Keeping your eyes on Jesus, Hebrews writes, the Hebrew writer, he writes the whole book just saying, you know what, Jesus is, he's just better than everything. He, he's just better than everything. He's, be, he's better, he's better than Moses. He's better than trying to keep the Ten Commandments. He's better than the sacrificial lambs because he doesn't, he's given his life for you once and for all. He's better than just worship. He's better than religion. He's better than all of it. Don't get stuck on all of those things. Just, just him. You know, a lot of times I think some, there's those questions that come in our mind about all the ins and outs of religion. But we were never meant to understand all the ins and outs of religion because we weren't ever called to be a part of religion. He says, I just want you to know Jesus, to know Jesus. And he says, that's how it happens. And he says, you know, when you think you're going through tough stuff, verse three says this, think of all the hostility that he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. And I love this thought because, you know, for, for many, Many this season that we've gone through has been hard on people's faith. It's been hard on their trust in God. You know, just reading this morning that bankruptcies are about to go like through the roof if something doesn't happen. And there's people that wrestle with these things. We're like, man, I prayed and something didn't happen. And it's, it can be tough. 
You know, the writer of Hebrews says, listen, you're not the only one who's gone through that. You're not the only one who will go through that. He says, man, I'm, I'm telling you this so that you don't drift away. So many people have seemed to just drift away from, uh, from church, from whatever. But he's like, don't drift away from faith. That confident trust, there's others who've gone before. You're in that race right now. It matters. It matters that you would continue to walk by faith with a complete confident trust in the God who loves you. So my question for us this morning is this, who am I really trusting in? What am I really trusting in? Who are you really trusting? What do you really trust in? For some, you're like, well, <laughs> I trust my boss. You know, he's going to keep paying me. You know, maybe I, I, whatever it may be. Maybe like, you know what? I don't trust anybody. The only person I can trust is me. Unfortunately, you will come to a day in your life where you let you down. And man, there's no greater grief than that. Because then what, what are you left with? And the truth, the truth is this. These heroes of faith, these heroes of people, man, I don't confidently trust God. Their, their story rings out for us today. Abel would tell you this. Man, he, he's so amazing. He deserves your best. He deserves mine and he deserves your best. Enoch would tell you, man, he wants that God of the universe. He wants to walk and talk and do life with you. And you'll avoid death as a result of knowing him. Maybe not physically, but eternally for sure. And Noah would tell you, listen, Trusting in him, that is salvation. Not church attendance, not believing the right things, not being able to say, you know, I went to, I, 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 I guess I'm a Christian. He's like, man, no, it's like trusting him implicitly. That is your salvation. And he simply says too, you can trust that no matter what the rest of the world says. Here's the heroes of faith. I had asked myself, will I make that wall of fame someday? Will I make that hall of fame? Would they be able to say that in the mass of all the names that are not noted, there was this guy named Mark who just completely, confidently trusted in the God of the universe? I want to be. How about you? How about you? How will you respond with that same kind of faith? Let's, let's close just with one verse. We've already read it today, but just put it together. Hebrews eleven six. You know, it's impossible to please God without trust. It's impossible to please him without trusting in him. Anyone wants, who wants to come to him, and ah, that's the good news. Anybody who wants to, you can get in. Anybody who wants to simply just says, God, I just, <laughs> I'm going to trust you today, tomorrow, the next day, whatever may come, whatever, wherever we go, my confident trust is in you. I trust that you exist, and I trust that you reward those who diligently seek you. That's me. That's me. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, I'm grateful that you're faithful. Lord, that when we wander, you stay the course. When we doubt, you remain true. That when things seem difficult, you're just stronger. Lord, as we consider you right now, who you really are, how you love us is it's just beyond us. We trust that this morning. So, Father, I just pray for every person, no matter what they're going through this week, they would just have that confidence knowing you are with them, that you, are lo- that you love them, that your goodness remains, that you're faithful. And, Father, I pray that you'd help us to genuinely, sincerely be seeking you, walking with you, living out this life with you. Well, there's many who don't know you, lost without you, Help us to see them. Help us to share your truth, your life, your hope with them. God, in a way that they see you for who you really are. I ask these things in your name, Father. Amen.